serving others is part of the core of who we are. And so today we continue, this month we've been looking at the, uh, the core of our church because it, it matters what's at the core. Uh, the, the core makes up the essential things, right? Last week I told you that the, the core of who you are provides stability and strength and energy and it determines what you reproduce, right? And, and so the core, uh, is, if it's rotten uh, or if it's focused on the wrong things, uh, if, if the core is, is not what it should be, then, uh, then we'll be weak and we'll be unstable and we'll reproduce the wrong things. And so we want to have the core right. <laughs> Many of us are, are into, uh, into sports. And uh, in most sports, uh, a ball is used, maybe like, uh, like one of these. So you've got a football and a, and a basketball, a soccer ball. Most of those have air inside of Their core is that they're filled with air, right? And, and we know from deflate gate in the uh, NFL a couple of years ago that it matters uh, how much air is, uh, is in those balls. Uh, Tom Brady was accused of deflating footballs in order to get a better grip on the ball during a cold AFC championship game in January of 2015. Many of you hate him for that. Let it go. Let it go. It's okay. Tom Brady's just a guy. Jesus loves him. Okay. What was inside those, uh, those, those footballs, or, or not inside them, I guess, uh, it, it mattered. It, it mattered what was at the middle, at, at the core. Uh, in other sports, like, um, like golf or, or baseball, uh, a ball is used with a solid core. Go ahead, and this is a, a cutaway of a baseball. So uh, you, you thought it was just all nice and pretty on the outside with the laces and everything, but it's got cowhide on the outside, and then there's yarn in the middle, and then there's a cork and rubber core inside. Now, in Major League Baseball, some are arguing that, uh, that, that a slight change in the makeup of the inner core of baseballs that began to be distributed after the All-Star break in 2015 uh, has caused an uptick in home runs ever since. Some of you have probably been on Facebook fighting about this, probably. I don't, I don't know. They say it's a big deal. Uh, if, from, uh, just, just looking at the statistics, from, from 2010 to 2014, the total number of homers kind of hung around, right around 4,500 in a season. 4,500 home runs in a season uh, uh, for that span of, uh, uh, of five years. But then in 2015, uh, uh, that total bumped up uh, about 500 to, uh, to right around 5,000. So, so uh, from 4,500, uh, just kind of steady moving along, all of a sudden it jumped up to 5,000. And then in 2016, it jumped up to over 5,600. And then in 2017, 6,105 home runs were hit out of the park throughout the season. Uh, I mean, it's a big controversy. So studies have been conducted. People actually got paid in order to do this <laughs> to, uh, to baseballs. Uh, they were looking at, and it appears that from the science involved, that the rubber and the cork core of the current baseballs is just a little bit less dense than the, uh, the balls that were used previous to the 2015 All-Star Game. And that small change in the ball's core has made them just that much lighter and just that much bouncier so that on average the ball travels three feet further. Three feet can mean uh, a difference between hitting the, hitting the wall and going over the wall. And, and so that has equated to uh, significantly uh, altering the game and increasing the number of home runs over the past few seasons. Changing the core 
changed the game. It appears that the core matters when it comes to baseballs. And I would argue that the core matters probably a whole lot more than baseballs. Uh, It matters to our lives and it matters to our church. Uh, If we change the core, we change who we are. And so I've been telling you over the last couple of weeks about our core values. And and, uh, we want to be all on the same page. We're moving in the same direction. So here at Medina Church of the Nazarene, we live to love people to life. And how do we do that? We do that because we value four things. And so that that list uh, we've been telling you each week, the first one is intimate relationship with God. And then uh, an investment in relationships, involvement in ministry, and indulging in laughter. So uh, those four things are, are essential to who we are and, and what we do and how we do it. We want to encourage you to have a, a, an intimate relationship. We've, we've looked at these over the last couple of weeks. So I hope that you've been doing whatever it takes to develop that intimate relationship with God. Because if you don't have that close, intimate relationship with God, it's not God's fault. Because God is reaching out and desperately wants that relationship with you. Uh, and he wants you to seek him uh, completely. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so God has promised that he can and he will be found if we pursue him with all we've got. And that pursuit is at the core of who we are. It's, it, it's fundamental to, to, to who we are and what we do. Along with that, uh, the, the second one there is an investment in relationships. As we're in, invest, er, digging into our relationship with God and, and that intimate relationship with God, we're also investing in relationships with other people. And, and so I told you last week that, that as we come together as a church, uh, we, we need to be developing deep-spirited friendships, people in the church who can, who can help us in our relationship with God. But then we also need to be investing in relationships with people outside of the church uh, so that we can help them develop. Ha- develop a relationship with God too. And so this is all just relationships all over the place, right? Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're seeking to develop a relationship with God. We're seeking to develop relationships with others, not only so they can encourage us in our faith, but so that we can reach out to others and encourage them in their faith. And all of that leads us to our third value at the core of our church, and that's being personally involved in ministry. As we look at these values, we see that these are the uh, essential ingredients to a healthy, joy-filled, spiritually fulfilling life. We live to love people to life. What does that life look like? Well, it's going to look a lot like uh, what's at our core. Uh, if, if I'm in an intimate relationship with God, if I'm investing in relationships within the church for encouragement and growth, and I'm investing in relationships outside the church to spread the word to others, and if I'm involved in ministry, meeting needs, serving God faithfully, that is the abundant life that we're trying to throw in number four and we're having a great time doing it right we're 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 living to love people to life it's 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 the picture of 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 what god what we believe god is describing as the abundant life that jesus came to bring in a church i attended uh, many years ago uh, there was a there was a gentleman and his wife who began who began attending and they let it be know, known pretty early on that they were not going to get involved much. Um, in fact, he told me uh, specifically that he believed that he had the spiritual gift of church attendance. And, um, and what's ironic is that he didn't live that out that much, really. Um, <laughs> I, I still remember more than one Sunday morning in the summer, uh, there early, I was... Uh, on staff and, and uh, he and his wife would pull up in their truck, pull in the boat 
And they'd pull up under the overhang there at the front of the church and he'd jump out and drop off his tithe check because they were going to the lake. They couldn't stick around for church, but they at least were going to. So he had the spiritual gift of church. I haven't found that one in scripture, attending church being a a spiritual gift. Uh, Attending church is great. We talked about it last week, the importance of connecting with, with God and connecting with other people. But if you're truly developing those relationships with God and with others, it's going to involve more than just showing up and sitting for a little while. Uh, You are also going to be involved in meeting needs and serving in ministry. It it naturally flows out of our hearts that are committed to following God. And, and, and really it's exactly how God made you to be fulfilled in, in, in doing that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 uh, really kind of just gets, gets down to the nitty gritty and, and, and it, it says, you are God, or for, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. Think about that for a minute. God created you. You weren't just an afterthought. Uh, you weren't just the result of, of, of uh, uh, just a, a physical union of some sort, but that, 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 that you are God's masterpiece. Uh, you are the result of God's creative skill and effort. It's not just your, your physical body. He has also created uh, new life, new spiritual life in you. You are forgiven. You are redeemed by his love and grace. You are God's masterpiece. The word masterpiece, maybe, uh, in a, in a, maybe you have a different translation and and it might use the other versions might use the word handiwork. You are God's handiwork or, or you are God's workmanship. Uh, it's, it's a picture of a master craftsman creating art. Uh, my grandfather uh, uh, was, uh, was a, I think, a master cra- He would say he was just a hobby guy, but, uh, but he had a lathe in his basement and he, uh, virtually every piece of wooden furniture in their house he had made at some point. And, uh, and, and you, I have, in my office, I have, uh, the last thing, he has a block of wood on the lathe, uh, and that he was already working on. And, um, at the time that, it, he didn't die over the lathe, but at the time that he, this was, this was a project he, and I still have it, it's half, it's just, it's, he was a, uh, I just picture this uh, this this master this master craftsman working on mas- a masterpiece. That's the picture of God creating you. You are a, a masterpiece that, that that God has knit together, formed uh, formed together specifically who you are. Uh, maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you're selling yourself a little short. Maybe you're thinking, ah, you know, I'm just and I've got all these hangups and I've got all this, and I'm failing here and I'm doing. You are God's masterpiece. He has created you lovingly, painstakingly crafted you. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. You are God's masterpiece. God's handiwork. God's workmanship. You have value. You matter. With that still ringing in your, in your ears, uh, in, in your heart please realize that you're not just a work of art to be hung up on the wall somewhere and maybe looked at every once in a while or then forgotten. You are an original masterpiece with a purpose. 
Uh, and this, this says here in, in, in Ephesians that, that you've been created with a specific purpose uh, to do the things that God has planned for us to do in advance. He already planned. In other words, well, the NIV says it in the New International Version says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there are these good works that God has, has, has prepared for us. So as he's creating you, he already has in mind what you're going to be doing. He... You were created for a purpose, for purposes. We, you, are, you are an original masterpiece created by God in order to accomplish things for God. We have been created, we have been redeemed for specific purposes, to be useful to God, to fulfill his purpose in the world. So keeping all that here, I, I, I want to pull up another scripture. Uh, you're... you're probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, and, and many churches quote it, maybe even on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, maybe you learned it uh, growing up. Maybe you don't know what in the world I'm talking about. Well, whatever. The Lord's Prayer is this prayer where, where it starts out with, with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You got to say it with the King James language or it doesn't work, right? You got to have the thys and the these and the, just kidding. So it starts off praising God for who he is. Holy is your name. And, and then uh, later on in the prayer, it, it, it talks about uh, wanting God's blessings. It says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. Uh, we want God's blessings in our lives, we pour it out. But in between there, after the, the praising God and before we're asking for things, uh, it, it says, there's, there's this little phrase in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of times, I mean, we're just quoting this thing, right? And so we don't necessarily think a whole lot about it, but it's a rather significant phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it already is being done in heaven. I mean, we're asking that our world would start to look like heaven. We're asking that God's will would be accomplished in this life, uh, that, that, that it might be possible that, that we wouldn't have to just slog through life in despair, grasping onto this thin veiled uh, hope of maybe I'm going to get to heaven someday. But in praying that part of the prayer, we're asking God to intervene, to bring heaven to earth, to overcome sin and its consequences, to push back the dark and to shine the light. It's, it's a pretty significant prayer that we're praying there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even if you catch the significance of that, I think you also need to realize that this isn't just a passive thing, that we just want God to zap this into, in, into existence. That's not how God works. Could it be, just asking questions here, could it be that part of bringing God's kingdom and his will to earth involves you and me? Could it, could it be that God's plan for accomplishing his will, for overcoming the consequences of sin, for pushing back the darkness, it just might be in our hands to live that out? Could it be possible that the, the good things that God has planned for you to do will accomplish this, will, will bring his kingdom to come, his will to be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven, even today, even on a Thursday afternoon? Could it be that God's will, that part of his, his, these good works that God has prepared for you to do, that following his will is, is like bringing heaven to earth in this life? I mean, I don't want to ever pray that prayer 
passively again, as if our only part to play is just to quote a few words and, and, and then that's just it. I think we need to notice that God always accomplishes his work through people. And God desperately wants to bring his kingdom and his will to earth, just like it is in heaven. And he wants to do that through us. It's a kind of a mind-blowing thing, but at the core of who we are as a church and who we are as followers of Jesus is that we are accomplishing his will. We are doing the good things that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece created on purpose to be useful to God. It's his will. It's his plan. You are his creation. You and I are tools to carry his light into the darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 uh, spells it out uh, even, even a little bit more. Verses 6 and 7, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Uh, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So although you are unique and special, and we talked about that, that, that you are an original masterpiece, and, and that's a mind-blowing thing to think that God created and crafted you just like a, a master craftsman in his workshop. God created you just, just, you are an original masterpiece designed by the hand of God himself, but that's still not the most important thing. Don't, don't get stuck there because, because our, it's our amazing privilege. It's not, it's not about us. It's not about what we look like or, or, or who we're like, what we're like. It's the, it's that we have, every one of us, even though we're unique and special and created by God, we are unique so that we can carry the light of God's glory. So that His light shines through us. We're not important. It's God's glory and His light, His will, His kingdom that is, that is most important. It's all about Him. Clay jars uh, back in the day, kind of like, I, I've heard it uh, uh, related to, maybe we can relate to like a cardboard box today for us. So it, just kind of a throwaway thing, useful for what we need to use them. If, if something goes wrong or it, it uh, you know, if cardboard box gets torn or, or broken in some way, we pitch it and we get another one. That's kind of how they treated uh, clay jars back in the day. And, um, and, and so in this scripture, it says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from... Uh, j- uh, clay jars, common. They had all shapes and sizes and they were cheap and they were... I mean, it was just like, you know, it was just terracotta like, a, like a, we might use for, for potting plants these days. But you know how, how you know, you, you knock it the wrong way or gets jostled around and gets a chip, gets a crack. And if it gets too bad, you just pitch it and you get another one and... and play, uh, some of those things they used back in the day, they used for, for lamps. They put a little oil in there and threw a, a wick down in there and they burned it and, uh, and it was a lamp. And, and, and it was useful uh, to the extent that it would provide light. And if it had a crack in it so that the oil spilled out, or it, it's not useful anymore. The, the point wasn't what the lamp looked like. The point was the light that the lamp could bring. You are God's masterpiece he has lovingly created you, but that's not the best part. That's an awesome part. That's, a, that's a, a, an amazing thought to think that, that, that God uh, worked on us lovingly to create us just the way we are. But we are created for a purpose, to carry his light. And the point is to point to his light, to bring his kingdom. All that to say that we want to be involved in ministry to others to carry his light wherever he would have us to go, using our unique masterpieceness to, uh, to, to, to 
form his, to, to, so that he can bring his kingdom and his character into the world. Some of that comes, comes naturally. Uh, you will bring God's light into every part of your life and it will shine through your character. If you are uh, tuned into God, you are, uh, he's molding you and shaping you and making you uh, more and more each day. That's the other cool thing is that you are God's masterpiece, but it's not just I made you and I put you over there, but I'm continuing to mold and shape and form you. And, and, and so, so, so God continues to do that. And so the, the, the good things that God has prepared for you to do, some of those things apply to all of us. Um, probably the best best way to think about that is through the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So, so, so God uh, de- desires, as his Spirit fills us, as his light uh, shines through us, it will look like uh, some, of these, uh, some of these fruit of the Spirit. And so Galatians chapter 5 says the fruit that's going to be produced from our lives, uh, if the Spirit is living in us, uh, will look like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and uh, and 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 all those things are going to be produced in our lives as we continue to 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 live for God and he's going to bring his light and it's going to look like all of those character qualities and and we're going to bring those things into the world and when we do that in reality we are bringing the kingdom of God into existence in this life those good works those are some of the good works that will spring naturally from God's work in our hearts. There are also, though, certain things that God calls each of us to do specifically, right? So, so uh, we all need to uh, be uh, showing the fruit of the Spirit. But then certain things, we're all, we're all made uniquely in order to, to live this out uniquely, we can, uh, we can decide, uh, we, we, we need to see which, what unique ways God has made us and how God wants to shine through us and, and how we can, so that we can figure out how we are supposed to be involved in, in this ministry. In, um, in junior high and high school, I went to a small Christian school and so uh, every year uh, I'd uh, play soccer and then I'd play basketball, and then I'd uh, try out for the spring play or musical, depending whatever they did. So, so every year, I, I, I don't know whether I just didn't like to go home after school, whether that was the case, but anyway, I was always doing something. And so uh, every spring, uh, I, we, would, we would try out for, these, uh, for the, the, the play or the, the musical, whatever it was. So I'd nervously audition and then wait, along, wait, wait around for that wonderful, dreadful day when they posted the cast list on the bulletin board in the hallway and everybody'd go up and, you know, you've, maybe you were part of that or you've seen that where, where you know, they kind of gather around and they, they look with anticipation at the list and who got what and, and, and all those kinds of things and, and, and being a small Christian uh, school uh, with not a whole lot of people to choose from, everybody always made it something right and uh and 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 so sure enough my name was always on the list usually for several roles not because I was good actually kind of the opposite um it doesn't take a whole lot of talent to play man number six or voice number three or my favorite crowd member uh I believe it was my freshman year when I had the, the record. I had six different parts in the, uh, uh, in the, the, the musical with a, with a total of, I think it was less than 10 lines between all of them. Uh, and and uh, it, was, it was our rendition of Little Abner. 
my freshman year. Well, uh, once everybody got their assigned roles, no matter whether you were a crowd member or, or uh, Abner or, or anywhere in between, you got a book and you had your lines and you figured it out and then you stayed after school and you, you practiced your part, and, but, but you got those lines and, and you flipped through and, and you, saw, you, you memorized that, it told you what you were supposed to say and when you were supposed to say it and kind of how you were supposed to act it out and all those sorts of things. And, and, and so, so it would be awesome. If God says, okay, you are an original masterpiece and I created you and uh, here's the list. This is what you need to do. These are the words you need to say. This is when you need to say them. And, uh, and this is how you need to act in response to. And, and in, in one way, God has given us the scripture in order to help us do that. But in a very uh, different way, there's, there's not necessarily a list posted on, on heaven's door where, uh, where, where we just figure out a role and decide from there. But he does give us clear direction as we seek to know what he would have us to do in meeting the needs of the people around us. Part of what we do as as a church is to help you, to help each other discover and live out what God has prepared for you to do. Because we believe that, that none of us will be truly living the abundant life that Christ came to provide for us without a relationship with God, relationships with people, and involvement in ministry. And so we want to help you engage in what God wants you to do. Well, how do we figure that out? If there's no, if there's no list on heaven's door, how do we figure that out? Well, one way that we figure that out is, um, is to figure out how we've, how we've been created or designed. I've told you before, one of my favorite shows... Uh, is uh, is on PBS every Saturday. Um, my DVR is set to record any new one that comes out. This old house hour. Oh yeah, right. And the second half of that hour is ask this old house. And one of my favorite segments on Ask This Old House is where they get this kind of obscure tool or part of some sort and then they go around and the guys try to try to figure out by looking at it how it's shaped, how it's designed, what it is. They try to figure out what it what is it. As we look at how something is designed, we can figure out what it's supposed to be used for. And so that helps us in trying to discover where we should be serving in ministry if we look at how God has designed us, has his original masterpiece. My design indicates my purpose. God has designed you specifically for good works that he has planned in advance for you to do. He has the, design, he has the, the works in mind as he designs us. And so if we look at the design, we can get a good idea of where we, uh, where we would best be able to be used in ministry. So on your little outline there, we've got uh, six different, uh, different uh, things, and all of them spell down the word design. Uh, that's by design, so that maybe we can remember some of these things. There's just a, a few ways that, uh, that, that, that we can uh, discover uh, how God has designed us. First one is, what do I desire? What do I desire? Psalm uh, 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, uh, your, your passions, your dreams, what, what do you want to change in this world? What do you enjoy? What breaks your heart? Uh, God is not going to call you to something that you hate. Uh, what, what is it that you, you desire, that you long for? Uh, some of our desires as we commit our lives to him will, will change over time, but God uses those desires. Part of our design is, is, is those desires. Uh, what have I experienced? Experienced. Uh, Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his 
purpose? What have you experienced? Our experiences can be used uh, by God to create great things uh, in the world. It's your spiritual experience. It's, it's, it's maybe your painful experiences of your past. Maybe your great uh, mountaintop experiences. Maybe life lessons that you've learned. God can use all of those things. And so as he designs you, uh, you, you do that. The next one is spiritual gifts. So when we come to Christ, First uh, Corinthians 7 says each one has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that gift. The Holy Spirit uh, gifts us for ministry when we, when we uh, receive him into our lives. And so we need, to, we need to open our gift. We need to use those gifts. Uh, God has supernaturally gifted you. It's part of your design. Maybe you're wondering, what, well, what are these gifts? Well, there are lists throughout scripture and if, if, you, if you're wondering, I would love to sit down and meet with you about, about what those are. Uh, just a few places to look. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 lists many of the, uh, the spiritual gifts. Uh, Romans chapter 12, again, lists some of those gifts. Ephesians chapter four talks about this a lot and how we can use those gifts uh, to, to equip people uh, for, for ministry and for life. First Peter chapter four talks about it. So, so all of those places are, are a great starting point as we're figuring out how has God gifted me for ministry. Uh, so uh, that's the, the, the first three. Then uh, what is my individuality? What is my individuality? How has God made me individually? Uh, Psalm 139, uh, oh Lord, you have searched me and, and you know me. God knows us intimately. What are you like? What's your personality? Uh, you're, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you somewhere in between? Uh, God matches us up with people and with needs that clicks with how he has made us individually. What am I good at? Not necessarily just our spiritual gifts, but, but our abilities. First Corinthians 12, there are different abilities to perform service. How has God made you? What are you good at? What do people say that you're good at? What do people compliment you on? And, and the last one is, what is the need? Romans 12, 13, share with God's people who are in need. Uh, what are the opportunities around us? Because I, I think that, that, that sometimes we get so caught up in, oh, well, I'm not called to this or that, when there are needs all around us and, and we maybe ignore those because, uh, oh, that's not my gift, that's not my calling. Maybe we need to step in and, and meet the need and we're just willing as God directs. The, the ultimate thing is that we seek God's direction in this. I think there are three common mistakes that we make uh, in, in not serving in ministry or being involved in ministry. Either we don't do anything, we do the wrong things, or we do too many things. And, and those that are, that are on fire for God and they're, they're moving, a lot of times they, they, they do too many things and, and maybe they need to pull back and only do the things that the Spirit is leading them to do. Uh, some people just jump in uh, and, and uh, you know, it's the, the ready, shoot, aim instead of ready, aim, shoot, right? So we, uh, they, they jump in and they just start doing stuff and maybe they need to seek out the heart and, and then some just don't, they have the gift of church attendance and don't do anything else. Look at how God has designed you and you will be well on your way to discovering some great ways to serve. That being said, I think if we're doing the first two of these core values, the third one's gonna follow naturally. If we're diving into an intimate relationship with God, he's gonna be nudging you here all over the place. Say, go do this, go do that. No, pull back and don't do anything right now. Go here and do that. Or when we're involved in relationship with people in the church, then, then they're gonna be saying, hey, they're gonna be speaking life and truth into our lives and say, hey, you should be doing this. Hey, join me over here. Let's go up to Cleveland on Tuesday. Let's, let's go. So if, if we're doing these first two, the third is going to naturally follow. Now, it could be at this time in, uh, in the service that uh, you may be feeling a little bit like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes when he said this, 
God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind that I will never die. Maybe, maybe it's a little overwhelming. Oh, I don't know what, there's so many things that I should be doing and I'm not doing them. I can't do them. It's way, and you're right, you can't. (laughs) You have been created though by a, a, a master craftsman who has created you in certain ways as his original masterpiece to accomplish his good works through you. God wants to bring his presence to the world through you. And so the challenge is that you get involved in ministry. There's a whole lot of ways that your church helps you do that. We do that through, uh, through uh, ministries here in the church. And many of you are serving in many, many ways and, and, and uh, doing all those things. There are great ministries outside of the church. And, and we promote those things on a, on a regular basis. The personal care pantry and, and delivering food uh, once a month. And the Salvation Army and, and uh, Oasis of Hope and Love, Inc. And, and so many more. So we, we, uh, we want you to get involved in those kinds of ministries. Our, our denomination is all about ministry and service and the church of the nazarene is is uh, is in 162 countries around the world uh, uh reaching out and and, and you all uh, part of this is is financial and you all give thousands of dollars every year for the nazarene world evangelism fund uh promoting this this uh, these ministries around the world there's nazarene compassionate ministries and we uh collect offerings and we give crisis care kits and and we respond in disasters and some of you sponsor children and 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 all the rest we we uh we we do things like um, summer mission trips and and go into Cleveland and all of that is so that we can help you figure out what God has prepared for you to do so that you can jump in and join him in bringing his kingdom to this world together we accomplish amazing things for God and his kingdom one more cartoon and we're done Lucy says switch channels she gets mad when he doesn't He says, what makes you think you can walk right in and take over? And she says, these five fingers. Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want? Sigh. Why can't you guys get organized like that? Believe it or not. One of the big reasons why the church exists (laughs) is so that we can be, when we are organized, we can be a weapon that is taking ground for the kingdom of God, bringing his light to dark places as we help each other uh, do the great works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We can be (laughs) a weapon that is terrible to behold. Uh, Let's stand together. And as we go from here, know that you are going empowered to bring God's light, to bring God's truth, to bring God's kingdom into the world where you live. Father God, we thank you. We are uh, overwhelmed by the possibility that, uh, that you want to use us in ministry. But Lord, I, I pray that, that you will help us to seek out what you would have us to do, where you would have us to serve, and how we can do that. And Lord, I, I pray that, that, that we would follow the leadership of your spirit each and every step. Lord, we thank you that, that, that you have designed us, that you have called us by name, that we are yours, and that you have great plans for us to accomplish as we follow your direction. Lord, we thank you for this week when we celebrate with friends and family and and we pray that you would uh, just pour your blessing over our celebrations that we would would see you even in the midst of those. And and Lord, we, we go knowing that you go before us and we will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.